This message by Jake Simmons was recorded during a Sunday celebration service for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Jake serves as a pastor on staff at Cornerstone Church. It's good to be together. You can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. We are going to be continuing our series through the Ten Commandments, the good news of law this morning. And this morning we're going to be looking at the Fifth Commandment. Looking at the fifth commandment, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. And I have the joy this morning to read God's holy, sufficient, inerrant word that we just heard proclaimed. So with that in mind, let's hear these words with faith. And may God soften our hearts and open our eyes to hear and to receive his word by faith. Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. I'm going to now shift our attention to Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. And normally I wouldn't do this to take our eyes off our text for this morning, but I do think it is instructive for us to look and see how the New Testament authors read applied and understood the Ten Commandments in light of Christ's coming and ushering in the new covenant age, the age of the church, and what relevance the Ten Commandments have for us today. What, what relevance does the Fifth Commandment to honor our parents have for us today? And, and I think what, what we'll see is that there's great relevance. The Apostle Paul actually thinks that ju- it has just as much relevance today as it did when it was first given to the people of Israel. And, and what I hope you'll, you'll see is that just as Moses reminded the people of Israel that God had rescued them from slavery to Pharaoh before giving the Ten Commandments, the Apostle Paul before encouraging this, the churches in Ephesus to honor their parents, had spent three chapters, verses we heard this morning, of how God, through Christ, had reconciled them to Himself through faith in Christ alone. So in light of that, let us hear Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. The lie that is placed before us in our world and in our hearts is that true freedom is being able to do whatever we want in our lives. That is the lie. True freedom is being able to do whatever we want in our lives. Yet that could not be further from the truth. True freedom, biblically speaking, and in God's world that He created, is the ability to live and do what God tells us in His Word. That is what true freedom is. And this morning, what what we have before us in the fifth commandment, and what we have offered before us to take hold of is true freedom. It's true freedom that comes under God's authority. 
And it's not just this authority that we follow, but there is, as the Apostle Paul tells us, this promised blessing. There is connected to it this promise that if we follow and trust God's ways, then it will go well with us. That God has great blessing for His people as they not live how they think they should live, but submit and trust His authority. So what does that have to do with the fifth commandment? Well, here's, here's what, if I could capture the, what I think is the main point that we're going to look at today. Here's what I would say about the fifth commandment. Enjoy God's promised blessing of authority beginning at home. Enjoy God's promised blessing of authority beginning at home. The, the promised blessing of authority does not begin once we are old and adults. Actually, the promised blessing of authority begins when we are born into a family. And we begin to learn authority from our mother and our father. So three points that we're going to consider this morning as we consider this promised blessing of authority beginning at home. First, a weighty command. A weighty command. Annie Gottlieb is an author among many who identified the 60s, the 60s, as the generation that destroyed the American family. She writes, we might, have, we might not have been able to tear down the state, but the family was closer. She writes, we could get our hands on it, and we believe that the family was the foundation of the state, as well as the collective state of mind. We truly believe that the family had to be torn apart to free love, which alone could heal the damage done when the atom was split to release energy. And the first step was to tear ourselves free from our parents. What makes this analysis so chilling is the connection she draws between the family and the state. And she's right. If you truly want to destroy a nation, then yes, begin by destroying the family. And the way the children can destroy the family is by disobeying their parents. Herman Bovink, a Dutch theologian, he said this in 1908. There has never been a time when the family faced so severe a crisis as the time in which we are now living. Many are not satisfied with remodeling. They want to bring things down to the foundation. Bovink doesn't mince words. He then continues to say, Imagine there were no marriage and family. Humanity would turn into a pigsty. So I, I, I don't think we can fully blame the 60s for the teardown of the family. I think, um, as, we're, as we heard Herman Bovink say, they were facing the same problems in 1908 as we are facing today. And I believe even as Israel was facing when, the ten, when this commandment was first given to them, there is an assault, a fight to preserve the family. There is a, a fight to preserve the parent-child relationship. There is a fight for us today to believe that God's authority is best and that we learn about His authority and to follow His authority first and foremost beginning at home. Traditionally, the first four commandments of the Ten Commandments are distinguished from the last six. The first table of the law consists of the four commandments that govern, govern our response to God. The second table consists of the six commandments that govern the, govern the way we treat one another. 
So obviously our human relationships cannot be separated from our relationship to God, but there is a distinction. So as the first four commandments teach us to love God, the last six teach us to love our neighbor. So the way that we learn to love our neighbor is through learning from our parents at home. So the key word that we're going to look at in the fifth commandment, meaning that it's weighty command, is this word honor. What does this word honor mean? Well, this meaning literally means to be heavy, to give weight to. So it is a significant command to honor your parents means you take their position seriously. So this word for honor is the same word used to honor and glorify God in the Old Testament. So the same, although parents and and God are completely different in the glory that we give them, we are still called to honor them in their God-given role and place of authority. The basic sense of this word is to treat someone with respect because they carry a heavy weight of authority. Sometimes we can speak of certain individuals as heavyweights. They are heavyweights in this, in this job or the sport, or they carry this weight of significance. What they say matters. When they speak, people listen. Well, in the lives of children, when parents speak, that is a heavyweight influence. It should have that effect. So children are to honor their parents. It means that they are to treat them with dignity, to respect them, to revere them, to be grateful and filled with gratitude for them. Children are to honor your parents because of the heaviness, the weightiness of their position. Yet in our society, parents have little or no authority. They are considered the lightweights of the world. There is this pull of children away from their parents that you can sense and feel, but it should not be so in our eyes. It should not be so in our eyes who know who God is, who has heard this command, who see the beauty and the authority and the blessing of God's authority. We should recognize that this special relationship between a parent and a child is not just by happenstance, but it is a God-given relationship that God has promised to bless for His glory. And it is beginning in this relationship that you children, that children learn to esteem and to honor and to love others. It is in this relationship that as children grow, they learn to respect other authority in their life. They learn to show respect and honor to others, whether it be parents, government officials, teachers, pastors, wives, learning to respect and honor husbands. All this begins in the home. All this begins when we are young. There is a progression, and in the wisdom of God, God says, and He wants to point the heart of the children to their parents and to trust them. You see the ripple effect of biblical wisdom of the blessing of learning to value authority, to respect your parents. But then think about those children who would not honor or respect their parents, who would dishonor their parents, who learn not the value of authority or respect. Augustine, a 4th century theologian, said this, If anyone fails to honor his parents, is there anyone he will spare? 
I mean, that, that is the right heart. That is the warning. That is why in God's wisdom and in, even in Moses's, as the nation of Israel is established, how is this nation, how is, how is this nation going to continue to exist? Well, it begins in the home. It begins between a husband and a wife, a husband leading his family, a husband leading his wife, and they together are raising these children in the knowledge and instruction of the world. This relationship between parents and children is countercultural. It is countercultural. You can, you can feel how this cuts against the grain of everything that our world has to say. Growing up, it is not strictly the role of the parent now to raise the child. That in our world, that is a delegated authority. That can be assumed that it happens in other contexts. That parents can delegate or relegate this authority to others. And yet that must not be so. Sadly, rebelling against parents has become what Jerry Bridges has coined a respectable sin or a common sin. It just happens. Kids rebel. Yes, that's true. But should that be the common thing that we look for? One cannot miss the serious consequences of those who treat their parents with disrespect and curse them. Listen to these passages. Leviticus 29. If anyone curses his father or mother, he must be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother, and his blood will be on his own head. Proverbs 30.17. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by vultures. I mean, the consequences of this are serious. In the Old Testament. Now, we don't live in the same economy, the same theocracy where children are punished in this way, but the, but the reality is still the same that there is a seriousness, there is a weight to the child and parent relationship. So, listen to this, uh, Phil Riken. The Bible has a deep revulsion of this kind of disrespect, treating it with a kind of horror. When I was a youth pastor, I once took my high school students through the biblical passages that deal with disobedience to parents. We discovered that some of the most frightening curses in the Old Testament are reserved for children who rebel against their parents. Not surprisingly, by the time I finished reading these and many similar passages, the kids in my youth group were very quiet. Like most young people, they had always assumed that breaking the fifth commandment was part of the job, an ordinary part of growing up. So there's just this assumption there's just this thing that kids grow up and they rebel. They're going to grow up and they're going to rebel and disrespect and do their own thing. And, and what, what I want to say this morning and what I believe God's Word wants to say this morning is, there is that is not the way it has to be. Amen. That there is a better way that if we submit our children, if we work hard as parents to train our children and pray and work with our children, there is a better way. That they can grow up and they can love their mother and father. They can love authority through God's grace and work in their lives. This is what we, the job of parents, the job of the church, what we get, have the privilege to do. And in light of, in light of these, the severity of these commands, and the, it, it should give us pause at just how scandalous and remarkable the story of the prodigal son is. If you remember this, Jesus, he tells this story of a son that ran away. He was a glutton. He was a drunkard. He demanded his inheritance. Yet at the moment when his father should have taken him and presented him to the elders, this was a rebellious, dishonoring son. The moment that he should have taken him to the elders 
to be stoned. Instead, what does he do? While the son was still a long way off, that father ran to that son. He ran to that son. And what did he say to him? He said to him, this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so if, if, if you hear this as a parent, if you have wayward children, if you think, what hope do I have for my kids? Well, you have a lot of hope for your kids. <laughs> you, you, the gospel is the power of God to salvation to all who believe. There is a heavenly father who is ready to forgive your children. You can pray for your children. There, I was a prodigal son who the Lord did not rescue till I was 20 years old. And, and, and I can just say that that forgiveness was full and real and changed my life. And so I have a lot of hope for every child represented in this room, especially those who are questioning and, and concerned about their child who may be wayward. Don't lose heart. The story is not over. God can still work. And, and I do want to say, in light of this reality, I do want to honor the teens in this church. I do want to take a moment and just say, as, as I interact with teens represented in this church, as I hear stories from Mike Pluniak, who leads our youth ministry, there's just a lot of grace here. There's a lot of grace. And to interact with you is, is, to, be, is to see a love for and a respect for authority. It, it is to see kids who are growing up in the knowledge and instruction of the Lord, kids who are different from the world, kids who have, who have taken hold of truth and by God's grace love God's ways and have not been captivated by the allurements of this world but, have, but love their parents and are seeking to honor their parents. And, and Mike will say that after he, he teaches that on Wednesday nights at youth meetings that, that teens will come up and just thank him. And, and, and encourage him. And, and this is just not normal that, 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 that you teens would, would want to do this, that many of you go to Mexico and care for orphans for your summer, that you're about to go to advance, many of you with your parents. And I would just encourage you as you prepare to go on that retreat to make the most of that time with your mom and dad or just your mom or dad, whoever's able to go. Make the most of that. See that as a unique time for you, not just to hang out and enjoy time with your friends, but enjoy time with your mom, and with your dad. And, and use that time even to encourage and thank them for how they've been at work in your life. So the fifth command, it's not only a weighty command, one with honor, but it's also a lifelong command. Point two. Like children need to take this command seriously, so do parents or anyone God has placed in a position of authority. There should be an appropriate weightiness that you, parents, sense to the fact that God has placed you in a position to represent Him. Our, we as parents are able to represent God to our kids in ways in which we love them and provide for them and, and, and reveal God's heart in ways in which they can learn about Him. And so for all of us who are parents, you are in a weighty role that God has placed you in. And that means there is this is your responsibility it is a weighty responsibility, but it is a glorious responsibility. It is a privilege to be a parent. You now carry a God-given authority and command to raise your children in the knowledge and instruction of the Lord. Children, yes, you are to honor their parents, but how do they learn this? Well, they are taught by their parents to do this. This is your calling. This is your privilege. This is your opportunity to invest 
your time and your energy into these gifts. Children are a gift from the Lord. They're not, yes, they are at times burdens and they, there are things that come with them, but they're gifts. The world does not see children as gifts. For this church to hear 19 and more children to be born and your response is not the norm. For, for there to be an, an expression of excitement, an excitement of 19 children represented in this room and in this church who are going to be born, that is a gift. That is something to be celebrated. And those 19 women who are expecting, what an incredible privilege you have. I hope that you are full of faith, that God is going to work in your life, that as God knits together that baby in your womb and puts that baby together and, and, and gives you this child, that he will give you the grace to raise this child, you and the Father. So this is our task, and, and we are called to do this. This is not something that we can delegate. This is not something that we can relegate to someone else. And, and I want to encourage us not to just do this, but to do it with joy. Enjoy your kids. Enjoy being with them. Enjoy teaching them. See this as such a privilege that you get to invest time and energy into their little lives. Children come into this world not having no idea about it. They have have no idea. And you get to teach them not only about this world, but the God who created this world. The God who created them. This is your privilege, and this is my privilege. And we want to trust that God's ways are best. That His ways are best. And so we want to work hard to train, to discipline, to instruct, to, not, to fight the temptation to busy our lives with, with a lot of other things that pull us away. We want to invest in our children. And so for, and lastly, for all the parents, one of the best ways we can teach honor to our children is by modeling honor for them. It's one of the best ways we can teach them. So when it comes to our kids, and I'm sure many of you know this, more is caught than taught. They, they do listen to us, but man, they watch our example. Kids learn from our example and will honor authority as we do. So it's good for us as parents. What do your kids hear when you talk about their mom? What do the kids hear when you talk about their dad? What do your kids hear when you talk about the president, the pastors, the police officer who just pulled you over for speeding? What, what do your kids hear when, when, when you talk about all those with whom God has placed in authority over your life? What we want to do is we not only want to teach them how to love and honor and respect authority, but we want to model it for them. We want to show them. We want them to learn from our example. What do they hear you say about your in-laws or your own parents? What do they see when your parents or in-laws come over? If you need a little more convincing on the importance of this, consider this old grim fairy tale. Once upon a time, a young couple with a son was forced to take in the husband's aging father, and the young wife, being a modern sort, didn't like the idea, but agreed to do it for her husband's sake. But the old man, and she's told the old man, we eat at such and such a time. If you want to eat... You better be at the table when the meal is served. At first, the old man came right on time, but eventually he was late. And to teach him a lesson, the young wife had the old man eat in a corner by himself. More time passed, and the old man began having trouble with his food. He couldn't seem to properly handle a knife, a fork. After enduring the situation as long as she could, the young wife, in exasperation, had her husband buy a feeding trough. 
the kind you use to feed pigs. Now then, she said, if you're going to eat like a pig, you're going to have a trough like a pig. Everything seemed to go well for a few weeks until one day the young couple couldn't find their four-year-old son. Bam, bam, bam came the noise from the shed behind the house. Walking to the door of the shed, they discovered the young boy busily nailing boards together. What are you doing, sweetheart? asked the young wife. Oh, said the boy, I'm making a trough for you when you grow old. (laughs) Moral of the story, your children will treat you the way you treat your parents. One generation teaches another, and our children learn to honor us precisely as they see us honoring our parents. Point of the fifth command here, it's not teaching us how to have great families, it's teaching how to be a great family member. So for younger children, so there's no, there is no expiration date connected with the fifth commandment. So what does it look like to honor your parent, parents at various stages of life? What does this look like? So this is what the Apostle Paul instructs children in Ephesians 6, 1 to do. They are to obey their parents. So notice Paul instructs this of fathers in verse 4. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. So Paul, in saying this, knows the common temptation for fathers is to provoke their kids, to be harsh. And so he's saying, be patient with them. But you are, children are called to obey their parents. That is the chief way that you will honor them. You will obey them. And as obedience, what does that look like? Well, in our home, we say obedience is right away, all the way, and with a happy heart. Anything other than that is disobedience. And so that is for our young children. We are wanting to instill in them and to teach them to love authority, to love our authority, to see the blessing of authority, and to learn that it will not go well with you if you disobey authority. I can still remember when I was two years old, And my dad had just finished mowing the grass, and he told me, do not touch this muffler. And guess what? I walked right up to that muffler, and I just grabbed it with my hand. And I can still remember that whole day. And I was probably two or three years old, and I had the mark and everything. And it was a moment for me to learn. I need to listen and obey my dad, that it may go well with me. And so there is this, when when our kids are young, this takes a lot of patience, a lot of time. Kids, you are called to obey and honor your parents by listening to them. So you need to willingly. So as children come, there is this tendency for them to disobey, right? For everyone who's had kids, we've never had to teach them how to disobey us. We've never had to teach them how to not be nice to their siblings. These are things that are natural in their hearts. There is in our hearts because of sin an aversion to authority. We don't like it. Even from a young age, this comes out. And so we as parents have the privilege to teach our kids how to love their neighbors, beginning with their siblings. The home is the place where it's the school that father and mothers have to train their kids and discipline them and love them and patiently show them how to live in this world. And, and, and the reality is, is as we raise our kids, the days can be long, but the years are short. And so there can be this time to where when they're young, you can feel like, man, this is, this is just so hard. There's so much to be put into it. But those, those days may seem long, but the years become short. And so we want to capture teaching our children to listen and obey. And children, that is how you are chiefly to honor the Lord. For teens, this will involve showing respect to your parents, not thinking you've arrived and your parents are disposable. Don't overestimate your maturity, but remain humble and aware of the gift that God has given you in your parents. Seek their input and listen to it. 
continue to listen and obey them and as a way to trust them, to trust that God has placed them in your life and they know more. If you ever have a moment and think, man, I know so much more than my parents. In fact, I feel like I'm living much better life than them. I'm closer to perfection than my parents. Well, congrats, you are a lot like Jesus. And yet Jesus never disobeyed his parents once. Luke 2.51 says this, He, Jesus, went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And so Jesus submitted to his parents in a way that honored God. He was honoring ultimately his heavenly father as he did that. Parents, I would encourage you not to overestimate the maturity of your own child. This will not serve them. They need your input. They need your counsel. They need you to continue to help them to live in this world. We do want to encourage them and as they grow, and we want to continue to as they become adults. But during these teen years, we want to be close to them. There can be this, this temptation to think as they're going into this, the teen years, they're going to begin to pull away and they don't need parents as much. Yet when you begin to hear that, or since that, that's when you need to get closer to them. They need your instruction. They need to continue to hear and benefit from your counsel. They need to learn that, God, that you're still in authority over their lives. That God still has good things to teach them. And that they can benefit from you. So we want to encourage our kids, but do so in a way that doesn't puff them up, but makes much of God and his work in their lives. So another question, what about when you're an adult? You've moved out of your parents' home, you're married with kids, you've started your own family. What does it look like to continue to honor your parents in this situation? Because there is not an expiration date. It says just honor your father and mother your whole life. So what does this look like? Well, first, Just a few thoughts of ways which you can encourage them and honor them. This is not an exhaustive list. First, say thank you. Say thank you. It's an amazing and simple way which you can honor your parents is to consider them and consider all that they have done for you and say thank you. A way to honor them is to acknowledge and see all that they have done to raise you and to serve you, and to make you the man and woman that you are today. And, and if that thought ever comes to your mind, man, I am so grateful for my mom and dad. I haven't, ever, I haven't really communicated this. Man, immediately call or text them and just say thank you. Thank you for help. Thank you for all that you have done. I never thanked you as a kid. But man, I realize all the sacrifices that you made. I continue to see all the ways which you serve me. And I have learned so much for you. Say thank you. Think of specific things which you are thankful for, for your parents. Another way you can honor them is you can speak well of them in public and in private. Speak well of your parents. And, and if you can't think of something nice to say about your parents, then don't say anything at all. Um, this honors them. Speak well and honor your parents in front of your children, their grandchildren. Do not speak poorly about them in front of others. Honor them. This honors them. This brings attention and appropriate honor to them in ways that they have raised you in the knowledge and instruction of the Lord. Three, forgive them or even ask for forgiveness from them. Samuel says, a writer from Ghana, he was abandoned by his father 
uh, when, before he was born. His mother, while pregnant, tracked, tried to track him down and did and begged him to return home. But the father did not. And on Father's Day this past year, Samuel wrote a letter, a letter that he titled, Honoring a Dishonorable Father. He says, My mom tells me what makes her most proud of me is my love for Christ. And though my father and I do not know each other, I'm trying to be wise and righteous so that wherever he is, he will be glad that though he's a dishonorable father, I'm hopefully an honorable son. Dishonorable fathers need honorable sons. Bad fathers need good sons. And good sons honor their bad fathers. And so I think it's a helpful moment for us that even if you look back and, and, and it's hard for you to find ways in which to honor your parents, I still think there is a way for you to thank God for them and to forgive them and to not hold bitterness in your heart. I think for your own soul, it will serve you. And I, and I do believe because of the gospel that you can truly forgive a dishonorable father or a dishonorable mother because of what Christ has done in your life and how he's working in your life. I think that that, that speaks volumes of what he is doing and what he's accomplished. And it would communicate things to your mother or father if they are dishonorable. And for those whose parents have abandoned you, ultimately I would encourage you to cling to this promise in Psalm 27.10. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. So if you feel abandoned, the Lord will take you in. The Lord will provide for you. The Lord will never leave nor forsake you. The Lord is with you at all times. And then fourthly, do not forsake your parents. So how can we do this? How can we not forsake our own parents? By calling them to say hello, by caring for them, by supporting them physically, financially if need be, spiritually, by remembering them even after they're gone. I think this is very clear in the New Testament as a way to honor parents is this almost this passing of the baton of they, parents cared for children early on, but then there will come a time for children to care for and, honor, and, and care for their parents as a way to honor them. Matthew 15, Jesus says this, He answered them, Why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? He's speaking to the Pharisees. For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. So we, we don't want to exchange the word of God for the sake of tradition or for the sake of comfort, or for the sake of, of, of ease later in life, for the sake of an easier life and not having to bear the burden of caring for our parents and continuing to invest in their lives. And we want to not forsake them. We want to eagerly invest in their lives as we age. We want to be involved deeply and intimately in their lives. We don't want to hand this off to someone else. Now, I think that we can utilize and benefit from nursing homes and things where we can get support in doing this, but we still need to carry the responsibility to care for our aging parents and to do all that we can. To hon this honors them. This honors them. They have done this for us, and it ultimately it honors the Lord because he's called us to do this. And so in all this, what, what I want to put before us is that this is God's way. This is what he's called us to, and ultimately he's promised a blessing. This is the first command with a promise, that it may go well with you. 
And so as we follow this, as we follow and trust God's good command, as we love authority and submit to authority and walk in a way that honors the Lord and want to follow his ways, I believe what he will give us is blessing. He will give us himself. This is, this is his way, and he loves to bless his people. He loves to say that you are following my ways, and you are trusting my ways, and I have good for you. This path will lead to goodness, and we can trust him. And so this, is, this does not mean that he will give us long life. It does not mean that um, he's going to give us financial blessing. But what he says is that you will have me. I will be with you. You will experience the goodness of knowing me and following me and trusting my ways. We are living in God's good plan for our lives. And God's way is just better. It is just better. And we have no reason to fear. As we look at our society, as we look at all that's going on, we have no reason to fear for our kids. We don't need to parent and raise our kids in fear. We can parent in faith. Trusting that God has good for us, that he's going to raise our kids, that he can save our kids, and that we can trust him. And so we can commit our lives to doing this, and we can trust that his promises are sure, that he's faithful to his promises. Amen? So let me pray for our time. So Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that we are able to honor you, that we are able to know you. Thank you for not treating us like our sins deserve. And Lord, I pray for us now as we respond in singing in this time of ministry. I pray in knowing that you hear the prayers of your people. You know the needs of every heart. So Lord, I pray that each and every one who comes would experience you ultimately. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a message given by Jake Simmons during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. To find out more about Cornerstone Church of Knoxville, visit us at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com or call our church office at 865-694-4356. We'd love to have you join us in our mission to treasure, grow in, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ.